Hey guys, James and Johnny, we're back over here and we have Tokeny who wrote an article about the engine behind tokenized securities. And I think Johnny is going to introduce Sharong to us. She and another coworker, colleague, I should say, let's not be silly. They actually created an entire ERC series, right? 3643, Johnny? Yeah, it's a rather snappy title, isn't it? The engine behind tokenized securities. ERC, Ethereum, obviously, 3643. So, Sean, well, welcome, to, welcome to the show. Delighted to have you on. I know we've had Luke in the past and we've had Daniel. So it's good to have you on the show. And, um, yeah, it'd just be great to have a quick intro to you and, and how long you've been at Token. And then we'll, we'll get stuck into the article that you've kindly written. Thanks, James and Johnny, to have me here today. So my name is Sharon. I've been working for Tokeny for five years. So I actually joined a company as one of the tier of the team. So I was eighth member, if I remember correctly, of Tokeny. So it has been here around this industry for five years. People always say me as looking a bit young, as you could tell from my picture and maybe from my voice as well. But I've been in this industry for five years. I had a background around computer science. So I used to be programmer, had before that I changed my side of work because I figured the coding things is not really something I'm passionate. I'm really into the interaction with people and around the business side of things. So I came to France to study. I'm originally from China. Then I came to France, I studied two years and I turned myself into a marketer. This is how my journey got started at Token, actually. So I'm really happy. Yeah, that journey has been. And yeah, this is myself. I, I like that she wanted the, uh, she made that decision that she needs the fun side of the business. <laughs> Absolutely. She, she's a yeah. communication and marketing lady as opposed to uh, a geek like you, James. I'm just a number <laughs> cruncher. She could probably make my numbers magical. No. <laughs> Wrong. I'm, I'm, in, I'm interested because to, token, as you say, have been around a little while and you've, your, your tokenization solution has been used now to effectively tokenize, you know, 24, 25 billion worth of assets. So, but before we get into that, could you just explain a little bit about what token you do and then why, why do we need some sort of standardization? Why do, why do we need this ERC 3643? And how did you sure. get a happy title? Yeah, sure. So basically what Tokeny does is we provide enterprise-grade tokenization platform for companies who wanted to issue, uh, manage, and transfer their securities on blockchain. So actually, when we created the solution, we were looking around the market as back to 2017. That was actually the famous ICO boom, <laughs> if you remember. So at that time, we've seen the power of uh, ERC-20 tokens where you can actually issue tokens and then those tokens can really be kind of stored and managed by the token holders in a wallet and get it transferred to whoever they want in a in peer-to-peer kind of uh, manners. So we've seen that power and we wanted to bring the same kind of efficiency to the tokenized uh, kind of securities products. But as we know that ERC-20 tokens, they're, they're permissionless. That means that you can transfer to anybody that you want. But when it comes to 
securities. They are financial products. There are regulation that is attached or or kind of regulate them. So you have to be sure that those tokens can only be transferred to eligible investors. Let's put it simple. So that's why we look around. There is kind of no token standard. So smart contracts that can really provide this kind of compliance framework to allow security tokens, securities to be represented on blockchain while maintaining or enforce compliance at token smart contract level. So that was the reason why we created this ERC3643. That was actually named T-Rex. That was much easier to remember and to, to pronounce, right? <laughs> T-Rex, that's so, in the dinosaur or the rock music. Right, yeah, I will explain to you. So we actually make it shorter out of token for regulated exchanges. So we take a T from token for regu- so regulated exchanges were Rex, right? <laughs> so that makes it really easy to remember. And then later on, we submitted to the Ethereum community and to get this EIP, kind of we just get the number of 3643 as the number of this kind of proposal. So to make it a fully open, open source and freely to be used by the community. That's why it come now become ERC3643. So this is kind of already, sorry, how to tell the story of how it uh, kind of worked. The reason that we need kind of standardization of this market is because when we kind of put this kind of compliance framework in place at the token level, at the smart contract level, that means there are some codes that tells each other what kind of compliance rules you need in these tokens. So in order to have all players that can actually interact or communicate about what kind of compliance rules this token is carrying. You have to have every players to integrate to this kind of smart contract. So that's why there's a need of a standardization in order to have the whole capital market that will be built on upon blockchain to communicate in the future being able to have the, the kind of securities represented on blockchain can be traded in different platforms in the future in my wallet while enforcing compliance. So yeah, that was the reason why we need this uh, standardization here. Okay, so so what you're saying is that by by creating this ERC 3643, it, it's, it's essentially a, a set of guidance rule standards that if people issue their token that way, then everyone understands if like the rules and regulations that govern and control that token. So it means that it doesn't matter which exchange it's listed on. People can be certain that the issuer has complied by certain guidance. So they're getting a similar sort of thing. So various elements of due diligence being done or if there's payments to be made in terms of redemptions or dividends, that's all encapsulated within that that standard tokenized contract in effect so i would say actually it's really more technical kind of point of view it's it's when we call it a framework it's because you can put any kind of rules into these tokens right but the the thing is more about say that journey now you have your your secured token exchanges where i am a issuer I wanted to have my token listed on your platform. And then what do you have to read at the token level is what kind of compliance rules this token need to be compliant with. 
So in this token, as a issuer, I wanted to set up, I can only allow European in investors to, to invest or KYC, obviously KYC investors, as well as any other kind of compliance rules. So when I use this ERC3643, it's actually, it allows me to put all of the one, two, three, four kind of rules or continue rules into this smart contract. And then when I connect to your platform, your platform can directly read on what kind of compliance rules this token needs to be able to trade. So you are able to show display those tokens to those who are eligible on your platform directly. So without needing to talk to anyone in the middle. So that kind of facilitated the process of, of the interaction between different platforms. Okay, so this makes it a lot simpler and automated for the different platforms and exchanges then that the that the that the ERC three six four three token can be used on because a lot of the onboarding and a lot of the transferring can be automated in effect. Exactly. So that will be all done at smart contract level. I wanted to clarify here that this standard is actually open source and free. So anybody, any kind of development team can take it over. What token is doing here is actually provide a ready to use front end, you can you can think in that way. So it's like interfaces that you can directly interact without needing to know any kind of blockchain knowledge. We can make kind of blockchain disappeared for actually massive adoption. This is needed in the future. But the standard itself, they're open source saying that any kind of company who wanted to build a tokenization platform, they can directly use this standard and build on top of it to add different kind of complex rules they need into the smart contract and make it useful or API ready for their kind of clients to easily click click here to transfer token, to force token, to to pause token or even to recover tokens at really user-friendly kind of experience. So this is how, yeah, how we differentiate tokeny solution and the standard. Okay, I understand. And as you say, so far it's been used for over 28 billion worth of assets. Could you give us some indication of the sorts of assets that tokeny's contract has now been used for? Yeah, sure. So we have a lot of different kind of assets we tokenized that included funds, dApps, uh, bonds, and also real estate, commodities, any kind of assets, actually. We, we've seen a lot of attraction around real estate because it's one of the, I guess, the most tangible kind of assets. And if people wanted to, it makes sense for people that when you're saying, okay, you tokenize the real estate building and then you're able, you able to invest in this building by a few thousand euro or even 100 euro that you can become a co-owner of this building. That kind of really makes sense for kind of retail investors to easily understand what are they going to get. So we've seen a lot of traction around the real estate part and the funds, obviously, because it also automates the process, especially for the back office, where they can actually automate a lot of processes and have real-time kind of operation to speed up their process of of servicing. So those are the two kind of uh, asset classes we've seen uh, okay. the most attractive. And what about the jurisdictions of the platforms or the exchanges? Where where is it? Obviously, because token is a European business, 
Has it yeah. been used in other jurisdictions outside of Europe the, 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 on different platforms? Yeah, so we actually, our platform can be used in any kind of jurisdiction. So the beauty, the beauty of this smart contract is that you can actually uh, code by jurisdiction. You can say in that jurisdiction, if uh, the platform conducted the KYC ML or even onboarding process, you can directly say where the user is coming from. And the smart contract can directly to tell that, sorry, from this region, you cannot participate. So basically, this platform can be used worldwide. And we have clients not only in Europe, but also in Europe, also in Asia and also the U.S. So it's a really, I think this is why blockchain infrastructure really bring the kind of a global capital market together because there's no kind of border anymore in terms of service providing or servicing or products and, and for the investors as well. Okay. And in terms of looking at the future, where, where, what sort of entities do you see tokenization of real world assets being most useful for? Is it the banks? Is it the asset managers? Is it sort of wealth managers? Who do you think is going to benefit most from tokenization of these assets? So from my point of view, I think, obviously, I would say every kind of players would gain the benefits out of it. But I think for asset manager, that would be really particularly helpful because it, first of all, it automates a lot of process where they don't, they can actually free themselves from those kind of uh sorry, this kind of uh, everyday, day-to-day operation out of uh, out of the code because the code will now be able to automate the process. So they can actually move their time to do some more kind of asset analysis where they can actually find more high quality assets to for their investors to make their, their portfolio is more interesting. And in the future, when every kind of underlying assets is tokenized, thinking about a fund, they can actually have a portfolio of their fund directly there and allow their investor to kind of select. It's kind of personalized level of products, but without needing you to kind of handle it because code is going to handle it. So as, a, as an investor myself, I will be able to actually say, I only wanted to invest in ESG kind of products or portfolio. And then I can maybe just click on this button to have the label to say, only show me this kind of products. And then I only invest in those kind of assets, only just one click and I will be able to invest as easy as I send a message today. So that will be really be able to, to have more kind of investors for asset managers while also providing a better or digital and uh, personalized services for investors today that more and more demanding for this. Okay, so that's going to help from a sort of compliance point of view because once exactly. the risk grading and the types of assets for a client, then they can sort of make sure that is met before the actual transaction as opposed to very often people find they've gone into the wrong asset and, or hasn't met the, the right, right risk profile, I suppose. Exactly. And then uh, maybe the most interesting part for any kind of uh, asset managers or asset owners are liquidity, right? When we talk about liquidity, obviously, it's how quick that I can get my money out of my asset. So before, it's just so hard for especially private asset owners that if I wanted to sell one of my assets, 
real estate or a share of the fund. And it takes a long time in the middle of the process to go through different kind of uh, manual process and different intermediaries. But now with this building compliance into the security itself, I will be able to find another eligible investor and to make the peer-to-peer transfer. So there's already a transferability in place where already increase this kind of liquidity because I will, if I can find the eligible investors to buy my share of my fund or my share of my real estate, I will be able to sell it, which is impossible today, right? Which is already possible with tokenization. So hopefully more and more that will be become a reality or common kind of practice in the industry. Got it. Got it. Well, James, what do you reckon? What, what, do you, what springs to mind listening to Shrong and I ch- chatting away there? You know, I was thinking, because I'm reading the article over and over again, and that you, you also created like a front end for, mm-hmm. for access to, to the on-chain ID and the, the registry, right? So um, uh-huh. am, I, am I wrong or no? I'm sorry. Yeah, so, so the, the smart contract is open source, obviously, and it can kind of, uh, there are, it's actually permission tokens. So, so permission tokens, obviously, by its meaning, the name is you can actually control who can actually hold your tokens. Then in, all, in order to have the capability for the token to identify if this user can or can be eligible to those kind of eligibility rules, is then we realized that there was a need of identity system into this smart contract framework. This is why when you mentioned on chain it's actually another kind of identity framework, actually. It's also open source and decentralized identity system that is also protect the privacy of the users. So this is only on the architecture of how the smart contract is designed. And our solution, when I talk about kind of like front end, is basically this, what do we provide is basically a platform website-based platform, you log in and uh, you don't need to actually make some code in order to trigger the function of the 3643, right? ERC3643. You will be able to click here. There's right an to main token. When you click main token, our front end, our platform is going to be able to make sure you trigger the right kind of function of the smart contract as well as having a really readable cap table for you to know always who is your owner at which time or whenever you want and conduct or even have a message message system in, in place in our platform to allow the issuers and investors to communicate between each other. So those are what we provide at Tokeny when it comes to front end, I if got that you. makes so, sense. <laughs> yeah. Right. And remember, I'm just a radio guy. But the, uh, <laughs> no, you're also a band guy, <laughs> right? Right. So, from the user perspective, right? When I, I'm mm-hmm. gonna use your front end if I'm permissioned in there. The, uh, it doesn't matter what I try to do. All of that configuration is on your side, kind of like whitelisting, based on the credentials and what mm-hmm. the regulation is. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So basically, let's think about me. I am the new investor here. And uh, you, you are the issuer. You issued one of the funds and you only allow people from European jurisdiction. And KYC, let's say only those two 
kind of condition in place. And maybe on the top of it, you only allowed, let's say, 10,000 investors in total to invest in your security, can be your uh, investors. Okay, so there are three rules in place. And at Tokeny, uh, we actually just write the smart contract of ERC3643, put all of those three rules that your lawyer told us, and then we're going to be able to to actually also ask you who are going to be the credential issuers of all of those three conditions, all of two conditions, first of two. So first of all, first uh, kind of credential uh, issuers have to issue a proof to say you are European residents, right? So the verifier one is here. And the verifier two, it has to do the KYC ML check. So it can be a KYC provider that you pointed to. And this issuer is going to, this identifier issuer is going to check the data of Shurong. I need to go through the onboarding process. But actually when I'm doing that, the process when I do the KYC ML, it directly have the embedded kind of a KYC provider into the onboarding process. And uh, when I send my passport to this the platform, the document actually go to the KYC AML provider to check my document. And all of those documents are going to be safely saved off-chain with this KYC provider. So after the check and uh, they verify the Shuron is KYC checked. And what they do is they actually create issue a credential that's saying it's a proof that Shuron is verified, KYC verified by KYC provider A, let's say. So in that case, in my on-chain ID, the, the digital identity, I am going to have this credential in place in my identity on blockchain. So nothing that is going to, not non-data is kind of credential data or private data is going to be published on the blockchain, only a proof. So it's uh, just a yes or no answer. So when I got those kind of two credentials, then the third step is actually also the smart contract is going to say if existing investor number is reaching the limitation that you set in place. So, okay, there is still a, lim- a place for one more or, or more investors. So when all of those rules are met, and then I am going to be able to finally invest in your, in your share of the fund in that way. I see it. You just explained it much better for me. With the graphic that was in the <laughs> in the article you wrote, so right <laughs> the uh, the knowledge is off chain, maintained anonymously with the on chain mm-hmm. ID exactly. that then gets forwarded to your magical system. Exactly. So, so in it's that very way, traditional, but <laughs> DeFi yeah. almost at the same time. Yeah, exactly. So this this is why uh, with this smart contracting place, we're not in, we're not actually putting any single point of failure, let's say software level of uh, single point of failure risk here, because if you have one more layer to actually do the reconciliation of wallet address and identity off chain, then there is always a risk that you lose the kind of track of your registry because you still need one more layer to ensure to identify who are your investor in that time. And besides, wallet is is not identity. Whoever know the private key of a wallet can claim that they are uh, the ho- owner of this wallet. So in that sense, 
we using this smart contract ensure that you are always able to identify the identity of that time's owner, and all, everything is stored on blockchain, so it's immutable registry. So in that way, we really provide this kind of auditability of the registry on chain. I got it. Finally, I got it. Oh, perfect! <laughs> Glad I that got helps. it. That means it's got to be perfect. <laughs> okay. Well, Sean, thank you very much for coming on today. And obviously, no if anyone would like to get a a copy of your article, then probably the best bet is go to tokeny.com or I know you're on LinkedIn, Sharong yep. Lee. Um, or obviously, they can contact James at Cyber.fm, myself, Johnny Fry at Team Blockchain. But thank you for coming on the show and look forward to welcoming you or one of your colleagues back perhaps later on the year. And you can give us an update because I know you're working on a number of different things at the moment. So it'd be good to get an update in, in a few more months' time. Yeah, thank you for having me today. And maybe just one more spoiler that actually we're forming up the ERC3643 Association. We're going to announce it officially very soon with some very, very great players all together to make sure we push the tokenization adoption to its peak. <laughs> so more to come. Stay more tuned. To come. Yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you. For, thank you for listening. And we'll be back um, with, with another podcast to you, I'm sure, with Tokeny very soon. Thank you.